before we get going, here's the bit where I remind you that nothing we discussed should be considered as investment advice. This conversation is for informational and hopefully entertainment purposes only. So while we hope you find it both informative and entertaining, please do your own research or speak to a financial advisor before putting a dime of your money into these crazy markets. about to listen to a special preview edition of The Endgame, featuring my esteemed co-host Bill Fleckenstein and our very special guest, Chris Sidiel of the Ambrus Group. The subject at hand is volatility. This is something that Fleck and I have been talking about off and on for the entire length of The Endgame because it's, uh, I think we're we both in agreement, it's such an important component of however The Endgame plays out. And Chris has a few thoughts on some potential changes in the volatility space that could prove to be extremely interesting as we kind of move forward in what remains an incredibly uncertain world. Every episode of the Grant Williams podcast, including The Endgame, The Super Terrific Happy Hour, The Narrative Game, This Week in Doom, Shifts Happen, and the new series Chaos Theory is available to copper and silver tier subscribers at my website, grant-williams.com. Copper-tier subscribers get access to all the podcasts, while members of the Silver Tier get both the podcasts and my monthly newsletter, Things That Make You Go Hmm. So, if you enjoy what you hear on the show and you'd like more high-quality content like it, then please make your way over to grant-williams.com and join our exciting community today. And now, on with the show. Chris, welcome to the Endgame, my friend. It's uh, so good to have you with us. Yeah, thank you so much for uh, having me on. It's uh, it's a pleasure. Well, the world of volatility is something that Fleck and I, no matter how hard we try, we can't get away from. So it's great to have you to come and talk a little bit of volatility because it's uh, we've kind of ducked it for a while now. The two, it's not as long as we've ducked crypto, but we've ducked vol for a while as well now. So uh, why don't we just get a little bit of background about you and and uh, your firm and and what it is you guys do? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I started out as a prop trader. Right? I was a prop trader on two different desks: Chimera Securities and Xanthus Capital. Uh, and then I went to a large Canadian investment bank. I spent three and a half years there, and most of my time was on the exotic derivatives desk. Right. So as an exotic derivatives trader, you're always thinking about uh, tail risk hedging or you know what can go wrong. Um, and March of 2020 came. And I had decided to branch out with a couple of my partners who are ex-CTC, ex-Citadel dudes. And we had this idea that, you know, when you traditionally think of tail risk hedging in the institutional space, you think of, all right, I'm just going to sit there and bleed and bleed and bleed, you know, for years until I get an event. And we said, you know, due to our, our background in prop trading, we said, hey, you could run a book that is effectively flat during normal market environments by using a lot of short-term prop strategies while at the same time being long tails, right? So effectively, if you are an investor, you know, you can invest in, in this vehicle that is flat during normal environments and then has this humongous return, you know, like 200, 400% during a crash. So for an investor, it's a much more like digestible hedge. And we set on out to do that. And it's crazy to think we're in year three now and, you know, we've accomplished that. So we're, we're quite happy. Our investors are quite happy. And I think a lot of people are gravitating over to this new new view of tail risk hedging. But it becomes even more interesting because the vol space is changing at such a dynamic rate. It's like every day the options market, especially in the US equity market, is it's it's adapting to to new participants. Uh it's 
causing the market to react certain ways. So, you know, maybe I'm biased, but I think it's a really cool time to be like a vault trader. <laughs> well, just out of curiosity, can you give kind of a concrete example of how it's changing? For instance, it used to be like this and now it's like that. So uh, listeners can get some sense of what you're looking at or what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So when we started the firm uh, as you know a, a tail risk fund, w- what we said was it, it was really predicated on a thesis that because of the market microstructure changing, our view was that you would see more tail events. So let's say historically over a full market cycle, you saw one tail event. It was our belief that you would see two or three. And I think when you look at historically what has transpired in the vault space over the last five to six years, I think that's very evident. I mean, you know, you have events like COVID, uh, it, um, right? There are a couple of other little blips in there. But pretty much what we're saying is that the vol market will be more reactive to these sort of these sort of sell offs. I think the biggest thing that really opened everybody's eyes is to see how reflexive uh, the market could be based on how the option market works, right? So everybody remembers the whole GameStop and AMC thing. And I always talk about this because it's the best way that, you know, I could kind of explain how severe or how impactful this could be, right? So you have a market participant will come in and let's say they buy a call. The dealer will be short a call. And then in order to hedge his risk, he'll be buying stock. So that can reflexively drive the asset price higher and at the same accord, people forget that it works on the other way, right? So that can reflexively drive the asset price lower. So because the option market has 4 x since 2020, you have to think that, okay, well, the underlying move in the broad market has to be impacted by the fact that more and more people are trading options, more institutions are trading options, and the impact of it will stem from that. 4X is an enormous change, though. Are, are there buckets that are responsible for that i can understand how in when we had the idiotic lockdowns a lot of people at home were were trading i could see how a lot of retail would have exploded but that's kind of behind us so what's behind this i mean a forex change in a market that wasn't tiny to begin with seems enormous to me how did those buckets grow if if you understand what i'm asking yeah absolutely so there's two reasons one uh, because the exchanges started realizing there was an appetite for it, right? So they started listing shorter dated expirations, and now you have zero DT options, right? So you have options for every single day of the week. That's that's the first thing. But the second thing is that after March of 2020, you had a lot of institutional mandates that got put in, right? So after COVID, a lot more larger 40 act funds and larger institutions started saying, okay, we want to implement options into our portfolio, Right. And and in today, right, you have ETFs that have options embedded in them as well. So when you had that sort of institutional push and the exchanges that that sort of accepted it during 2021, you had that huge boom of just it wasn't only retail, it was huge institutions that had that mandate accepted. From the professional investor side of this equation, if you're not in the vol space, you kind of watch what's going on, scratchy head. You mentioned the the zeros there this explosion we've seen in pure casino behavior. And I always kind of picture the professionals just sitting there rubbing their hands every day when this stuff goes on. And sure, there's going to be a day when you're going to get carried out. But am I right thinking this has just been an absolute godsend for pure hardcore vol and options traders? Yes. Uh, (laughs) Yes. I think what this does for more sophisticated vol shops, it allows them to hedge 
you know, some of their gamma risk, some of their vega risk, um, you know, much more effectively than you were able to do in the past. However, what this also does on the flip side is it opens the door for more systematic uh, users of these options to implement these sort of yield generating programs, which, you know, we've seen how this has has worked in the past. It has led to, you know, bigger blowups, right? You, you think about the vault ETPs in uh, 2017 and how it led to the you know vault again in 2018. It's almost like a similar feel, right? Because structurally, you can't just have people systematically selling these options and think that there is not going to be any sort of uh, effect that comes from them. And that's really what you're seeing right now is that a lot of people are coming in and using the options to systematically generate some sort of a yield. Well, so if they're going to be trying to create yield then they're basically sellers of premium, which means they're asking for trouble. <laughs> That's the thing, right? A lot of people overlook the the viewpoint as to how detrimental short convexity could be, right? And, you know, kind of kind of talking to the extremity of like short vol, you know, you think of like variant swaps and for, you know, a decade and a half, you had people that were pitching variant swaps. Oh, sell variant swaps. Variant swaps have a have a two and a half sharp, right? And this is the Kager that it returns. And, you know, for about pretty much like a decade and a half, you had that all, the, all those gains wiped out in three weeks during March of 2020, right? Completely wiped out. And now you look at the variant swap market and it is, you know, it's nothing like what it was before because everybody, you know, was very, very scared to, to partake in that. But the, you know, the more interesting thing from that is that, it's not that vol selling has went away. And, you know, Fleck, I, I reached out to you to, to, to tell you about this because I thought it was the most interesting thing. But to us, we have never seen short volatility make its way back into a system at such a rapid rate like this. Right. So when you think of behaviorally. Sorry, Chris, I don't mean to interrupt, but can you give us some perspective when you said it just come back at such a rate? Can you give us a mosaic as to you know, what the foothills and mountains are like for perspective. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right. So one, uh, I'm going to give you guys a, a data point that, to give you some sort of understanding to know how much higher it is. And then I'm going to kind of walk you through like how we got here. So if, you, if in, you know, you don't have to take our research from it, but like Morgan Stanley puts out a chart on net notional Vega. And I think it's on my Twitter as well. But if you look at the net notional Vega today, it is higher than where it was during January of 2020. And that's interesting because when you think of January 2020, you think of a time where everybody was short volatility. You had VIX into the single digits multiple times. You had you know, everybody was short volatility. So to think that today that number is higher, that's really surprising. And, and a byproduct of that is, is because there are more people trading options today than ever before. So naturally, you're just going to have that balloon number. But the reason why we got here is because the fall market has this very interesting behavioral dynamic to it that waxes and wanes. And it's very, uh, it can be telegraphed if you if you participate in it, right? So when you think of 2017, 2017 was a year where realized volatility was really, really low, right? Everybody was selling volatility. It was almost, um, it was almost a sin if you weren't. And then what happened, right? Volmageddon happens. And all the short volatility participants kind of get blown out. Okay. So now everybody switches and they're like, oh, long volatility is, is great, right? Let's fast forward now to December of 2018 when the Fed starts talking about raising interest rates. The market dropped 20% a month. And what traditionally would be followed by a big vol spike, vol had underperformed. 
equity vault underperformed that. It really did not do well. Because too many people are long already? Is that the consequence? Right, that's the behavioral sort of wax and wane, right? Because all the people that got the second out of the short ball and they get it, start, oh yeah, The full conversation is available to subscribers to the copper and silver tiers of my website, grant-williams.com. Nothing we discussed should be considered as investment advice. This conversation is for informational and hopefully entertainment purposes only. So while we hope you find it both informative and entertaining, please do your own research or speak to a financial advisor before putting a dime of your money into these crazy markets.